You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. All right, turn to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. You know, I, the, this message this morning, I'm going to try to get down to the, uh, the main verse that we're going to talk about where Paul says, uh, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Uh, that's where we want to get, but we're going to talk about some things along the way. We're going to talk about the future. Uh, we're going to talk about the past. You know, with a, the, the Bible tells us that, uh, especially in Paul's writing, Paul says, uh, and we're going to read it in a second so you can see it's coming from the Word, that there's one thing that he does, and that's he forgets the past. There's two places Paul talks about this in his way in the book of Galatians three places but in the book of Galatians he says when it pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb and he's talking about that he's talking about separating him from his lineage from the mother Israel his country his his uh, he said that he was the more zealous for the traditions of his fathers than anybody else and it pleased God to separate him from that through one thing and that was the revelation of Christ in him so when he got a revelation of Christ in him, he was able to forget his past. Now, I want to say it this way, because forgetting doesn't mean forgetting. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? See, in the very phrase that Paul says, I forget my past, he's reminding us that he had one. He uses his past as a tool... It's not about forgetting that you never think about it. But what he's saying, when, and we're going to read it in a second, but what he's saying, and you'll hear it when we read it, is that he doesn't take any confidence. He doesn't build his future on his past. He doesn't establish what he's doing on what he's done. Amen. Does everybody understand that? There is a future set before Paul, and it's set before him, and he says... I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, not because of what I've done in the past, but because of what He's... And, and, and see, we're, some of us are so concerned about the past, we don't look forward to the future. Some of us need to remember, as we're going forward, we need to remember where God brought us from. Just like Paul's doing. Paul told a group of people, he said this, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we see it in Paul's writing that there was a combination of pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, but as he was pressing toward that, he didn't use any of this over here as strength to help, or, or this was not a foundation for him because God brought him to a new place of foundation, a, a, a new way of relating you know, of realizing that it's Christ in him, the hope of glory. And many times he told the people he was talking to about his past. See, he didn't forget his past. And he wasn't so focused on the future. See, sometimes you get so focused on the future, you don't know what to do today. And see, that it's not about... The Bible even says that a person that looks back as he's plowing the field, you know, the Scripture... It says, if a man is plowing the field and looks back, you know, you know why? It says, he's not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. So living within the kingdom of heaven on this earth, we're not talking about going to heaven. 
We're talking about living in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. So what it's saying is that if a person, as long as he's plowing, if he looks back while he's plowing, what's going to happen? The road's going to start going crooked. And it's not about looking back. You need to trust that what's happened has happened, and you're looking forward as you're plowing today. But some people are so looking forward that they're not doing any plowing. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, Jesus said this, Seek ye first the kingdom. Some people are so interested in their life trying to take care of their past, they're not seeking anything about the kingdom. And see, some, see, some people don't have any seeking in them. Some people don't have any... See, the Bible says this, Drink of the well, that, the water that He provides, and you'll thirst no more. But you're still supposed to be thirsty for Jesus. Well, what do you mean? How can I drink of the well and or eat of eat what he has and not hunger and not thirst? Well, see, your spirit man is satisfied. Your spirit man is complete. Your spirit man is, is complete in Christ Jesus. It's 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 made whole. It's sanctified. Set apart. But see, your your soul is still thirsting. Your flesh is still desiring to have the reality that your spirit has. And see, that is where we understand it. This is what God has done. This is what's going to happen, but we live in the here and now. This is what needs to take place right now. Paul said this, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. There's the high calling, there's his past, but what's he doing? He's pressing. I like that word press. That word press, just to give you an understanding, uh, in a track race, it's, a, it's an athletic, in, a Greek, in, in the Greek it's actually a term used uh, for track runners. And, and the best way I can explain it is, there's the ribbon, and you've got a bunch of people, and you're in this race, and you're just really close, you're, you're like the first person, but there's people right next to you. And so right before you break that ribbon, you press like this to break the ribbon. You're giving it all you got just so you can be first. So you're not worried, see... You're not worried about the trophy. You've got to be first before you get the trophy. I literally saw a picture of myself this morning. Uh, not literally as in a picture, but in my, in my mind's eye. I just saw myself. Of course, you know, when you have the childhood that I had, and I was first in everything, I got trophies all over everything. Well, no matter, first in academics, first in, in, in a cafeteria line, first in... I had trophies galore. First, you know, no better swimmer ever swam than me before. No, the first best football player ever. You know what I'm saying? I was just first in everything. My brother's here to call me a liar. He beat me in Parcheesi every time I played. You know, but we used to have uh, up in our, our, our attic where we used to sleep, uh, we had all our trophies up there. You know what? There comes a time when those trophies, I mean, so many of us build our life on our trophies of our past. And we forget about what God's doing in the, in the future. And some of us are so focused on the future, we, we're not doing what we know to do today. See, I believe with all my heart for us to seek. And we've talked about the word seeking before. But the, words, the word seeking, if I can explain the word seeking, it's looking with passion. See, I can look. But look, everybody can look. But seeking is looking with passion. In other words, see, are you thirsty? 
you know, Jesus said this in the book of Revelation. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hear, hear my voice and open the door, I'll open the door and, and come in and sup with him and dine with him. Well, we use that for evangelism all the time, don't we? But he's talking to the church, to the lukewarm church. Talking to a group of believers that had a first love and had lost that first love, and they had quit seeking. They, they weren't thirsty no more. And Jesus outside the door of the church knocking on their heart saying, Let me in. But I thought he was already in. Well, he's in your spirit, but he's not in your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, the realm of your soul. He wants to get in your heart. He wants you to, he wants you to have passion for him. When you read the word, listen, when you, that, that, I, there's going to be a day. Don't know how far it is in the future. I wish it was next week. There's going to be a day when the doors are locked, but there's a line waiting to get in because people are hungry. You understand? Not because the teaching's so great, just because they're hungry and they're getting fed the Word of God and what God's doing in this place. It's I've been in churches like that. It can happen again. You know, when people are hungry, they say, what makes a person hungry? We're, out, we're having this work day out here yesterday, and you, I knew it! Dang it! Can I say that in church? Dang it! I knew we shouldn't have got those ribs. I knew we shouldn't have got that barbecue, a potato salad, sauces, and pickles. And you should have seen it. As soon as someone said, Food's here, the work was over. It literally was. I think Dylan was the only one. He was still dragging, but his leadership were out there, okay, Dylan, slow down, you know. But we, you know, because you, know you know why the work was over? Because we was hungry. Yeah, yes, it was hung we were hungry. We had been doing something to create a hunger while we had vision. You understand? Using things from the past for a purpose of vision, but because we were doing something today, it made us hungry. If you're not doing nothing, you're not going to be hungry. If you're not building up a sweat, you're not going to get thirsty. You should have seen us go through the water out there. The Cokes and the Waters and the Gatorade were going like this. You know why? Because we were doing something to generate a thirst. We weren't just looking at... See, it'd be real easy to sit out there and look at the playground and, and get all that equipment out there and go, Man, in the future, that's going to be great. Oh, Oh, we got good vision at that church. There's vision. There's purpose. But if you don't do anything to create a thirst and a hunger, you're just going to be talking about the same vision 10 years from now. See, in your life, you can have vision and you can hear people talk about church and all the good things. Then you can, oh, yeah, I'd like to have, listen, I'd like to, oh, man, I'd like to have a relationship like that with God. I'd like to, I'd like to ride all those rides at the Magic Kingdom. But if you don't get in line and create the thirst and the anticipation, you see what I'm saying? I mean, I, mean, I don't know if anybody goes to the Magic Kingdom doesn't know it ahead of time. It takes what? Planning. Yeah, planning. And you talk about it. Yeah. And the kids get all excited. And the more excited and the more you talk about it, 
and then you put some action to your plans, things begin to happen, and you go there, and you sit there and complain about the weather, how long the lines are, and how expensive the food are, and you had to pay to park, and you're not going to enjoy nothing. No, you don't do that. Because you're excited, you overlook it. You overlook the price of the high corn dogs, how much they cost, you know. And you overlook the long lines because they got the speed pass now. See, there's always a way to get it done. You overlook all the negatives just because you're anticipating a great time. And see, we can do that in the kingdom of God. We can do that in the, here on earth. We can do that in this church. If we just, here's our vision, forget our past. There's our vision, but get hungry. Get thirsty. Start doing some things to generate some passion. I tell you what. Oh, it's family day. I can't talk like that. I was going to talk about my beautiful wife and passion, but I won't go there. But I'll just say it this way. No, I won't. Let me just put it this out way, church. The more you're around the things of God, the more passionate you're going to be. You fill in the blanks. The more you're around, see, see, it's not a, it's not necessarily wrong to be tempted. I'm trying to tempt you to get in the presence of God. I'm trying to tempt you to see the kingdom of heaven that there's a life to live outside of the life that you're living. Not saying that you can't live the life that you're living because you're doing it. I'm saying there's another life to live. It's a life. Jesus came to bring us life and life more abundant. Let's look at this scripture. Not, not that we even read that one yet, but we'll go back to it. Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter. It says this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. To a living hope. What kind of hope? A living hope. Hope that has life to it. See, that's not wishful thinking. The word hope literally means a confident expectation of good things to come. Most people, you know what the opposite of hope is? Fear. The opposite of hope is fear. Some people teach that faith is the opposite of fear. No, the Bible teaches that hope is the opposite of fear. See, hope is the fruit of a confident expectation of good things to come. Fear is a confident expectation of a negative to come. See, you're either be moved by fear or you're going to be moved by hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, but hope and fear are like this. And it's the same emotional effort that drives you to fear you can have in faith. It doesn't take, it's, no, it's, it's not harder for you to be, let's put it this way, as easy it is for you to be in fear, you can be in faith. You can trust God that easy. It's just that we're used to going to the negative part of our brain in our heart. Look what it says here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Through the what? The crucifixion? 
What's it say? See, 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 what the church, let me just go ahead and read it. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, most churchdom is all focused on the cross and the crucifixion. Does everybody, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the cross and crucifixion. I'm not saying, listen, I thank God for the cross and the crucifixion. I uh, the shedding of the blood. Listen, but it says the hope and the life that God has begotten us into was not the hope and the life of the crucifixion, but it was the hope and the life of the resurrection. We need to be celebrating the resurrection, the empty tomb, not Jesus on the cross. We focus on the suffering and not the victory. The Bible saying that we have been begotten again by God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection power, the scripture says this, the very spirit that raised Christ from... It doesn't say the very spirit that led Jesus to Calvary. It said the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So if you have the spirit, the same spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that means you can overcome anything, including the fact that someone didn't say hi. Oh. Empowered to be witnesses and we turn out to be wimps. Man. Come on. I tell you. <laughs> All right, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Let's just see how Paul says this. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and in truth. Excuse me. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. See, he's talking about confidence in the flesh. Uh, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So what he's doing right here, if you can't get the sense of this, he's bragging. He is bragging. He's what he said. I'm going to say it in uh, uh, South, Southern Oklahoma vernacular. I'm better than you. If you think you're good, if you think you got some trophies, uh oh. My trophies are bigger than your trophies. That's what he's saying. Remember those trophies I told you about we had in our attic? I remember, I'm going to tell a story on Christopher because it was just pure deep cute. Back when Christopher was just a wee pup playing t-ball, I think he was about 16 or 17. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. I was going to his t-ball game. He's a little, a little younger than that, but he was, he, he, they are playing this baseball, and they were they'd undefeated. Dad's never been so proud. Undefeated. I already beat every team that was in their little league. Come time for the playoff. You remember this? 
come time for the play, playoff, and they're playing a team they've already beaten. Guess what? I know why I don't go to games. Man, I'm like, they get beat by this team they already beat and come in second. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I felt so bad for Christopher. Yes, I felt so bad for me. I was in agony. I really was. I'm not, I'm not, you know, sometimes I exaggerate a little bit, you know, not much. But, and I remember Christopher come up to me. He put his hand on my shoulder. I'm there, just bawling like a bit. No, I'm not bawling, but he, he said, Dad, it's all right. The second place trophy is just as tall as the first place trophy. <laughs> and, and I saw it from a new perspective. <laughs> It doesn't matter what's written on the trophy. It's which one's taller. That's what's important. Who can brag the most? And I'm like, dang it. I learned something from my son. It's the trophy size. That I got more. All my trophies are bigger. Now listen to this. This is what Paul said. He's going, says, I'm more so. And here he starts showing off his trophies circumcised the eighth day bless God of the stock I like that especially since we're in a livestock raising area of the stock of Israel you know what it means that's going back to his lineage that this was my daddy that's my granddaddy that's my great granddaddy and somewhere back in there is King David and all the saints and the patriarchs. He, was, he, he had this lineage. He could, they could take their family tree back and trace it back to all the great men of God and say, see, I'm of that stock. I come from that clan. I come from good stock. I'm pedigree. You know what I'm saying? I'm pure blood. I'm top-notch Jew is what he's saying. He goes on and says, of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh-oh. He's just not talking about his stock. He's talking about what his family has been responsible for in life. We're just not good stock. We got good jobs. We got good duty. So he's bragging about everything. He's, 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 he's who he is because of this. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. No, wait a minute. How many Hebrews? How many, of everybody that was Hebrews, how many of them were Hebrews? All of them. But he's telling all of them that he was the best of the best. Huh. <laughs> a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. In other words, he didn't break it. He, up, he made sure other people upheld it is what he did. Concerning zeal, none surpassed him. Persecuting the church, he was the greatest. Concerning the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So in other words, he was willing to get rid of all of that lineage, all of that past. All, he wiped his trophy shelf clean. All of his accomplishments outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ in him. He said, no, 
It's not gonna, I'm not going to build my life on that. I'm going to build my life on this. Here is, see, he, he said, I, basically what he's saying is, I was of the stock. Now he said, now I am royalty. You can't get better than that. Let's go on. Look what it says here. Uh, uh, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for. See, he just didn't count them loss for no reason. There was a reason he was able to count that as loss. And here it goes. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That's why. For whom I have suffered these, uh, these loss of all things, I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. In other words, he wasn't going to let any of that get in the way of him understanding who he was in Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That, and why did he do all that? Next verse, here it comes. That I may know, everybody stop right here. That I may know him. That I may know him. That word know, guess what that word know is? If you've been on Wednesday night class, that word is what? Gnosko, who said that? Lord said it. That word is gnosko in the Greek. See, all that stuff there, all the ties of all this stuff over here was, would have kept him from understanding the gnosko, to know Christ. That there's a relationship that God has for each and every one of us that is separate from, not, not that you're forgetting your past, understand. It's not, you're not getting rid of family. You know, you're not, but you're not building, there's a new relationship. There's a new you. There's, there, you have been born again. You're the only, as, and First Peter says, you've been got, begotten again in life of the resurrection. That is the born-again experience. Our identity in Christ Jesus must be that we are begotten of God, not because we were born in Texas or Oklahoma. Amen. It doesn't matter how many generations you can trace your family lineage back to. That's okay. That's good information. That's okay. But you, your heart has to be established that in the very fact that it is Christ in you, the resurrection power, the spirit of the living God, that is the only way that you're going to be able to be catapulted in the transformating power and do the will of God for your life. Press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling for your life. Can you go to heaven and be happy on this planet earth and never do that? Yes! But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He's letting these people know that there's a relationship that you can live in and walk in and breathe in that's not based on your past. It's based on what's been done. Now, remember, the past is not something you forget. The Bible tells us time and time again that the children of Israel would make a memorial out of stones as a reminder of things that God had done. So we're supposed to remember certain things, but not build upon them. 
Because here's what happens. There are churches that have had revivals and they still go back and remember the revivals and they try to reduplicate what God did in the past, missing what God's going to do in the future. The scripture says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, not what he had said. You won't know what he's saying for the future if you're concentrating on what he had said. That's why you have to be hearing. I don't know if we got that. There is a seeking. There is a hearing. There is, this is what we're, there's a pressing. This is what we're called to do today. This is what we're called to do today. I be, the, the Bible says, oh, what sparrow worries about tomorrow? But the Bible says to prepare for tomorrow. But see, it says forget about yesterday, but we're not supposed to. Hear, seek, press. I, I like the definition of the word press. Uh, uh, press toward the mark. The best way I've ever, I've, I've ever understood it was, say this is a bowling alley. Everybody know how to bowl? Everybody know? What's, what's, the, what's the goal in bowling? Make that ball go down the end, knock down as many as possible, right? You realize good bowlers never look down the, the alley? Do we have any good bowlers in here? How many bad bowlers we got in here? Mike, raise your hand. You're a bad bowler. No, just kidding. Okay, when you, <laughs> you heard that. I know you did. Family day. No, anyway. So when you're bowling, you don't look down at the pins. You're not supposed to anyway. When you're bowling, there's some little marks about so far off the line you're not supposed to cross, supposed to cross, okay? There's some little, there's some little arrows there pointing. They're shaped like this. A good bowler will make sure he's standing on this spot making the ball go across that mark. And if he's throwing the ball at this rate of speed, making his hand twist, and if he hits the one that's close, it'll go where it's supposed to on the other end. You understand? Well, that's what it means when I press toward the mark of the prize. He's not shooting for the prize. He's shooting for the mark. What, 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 what do I do today? What can I reach today? What can I put my hands on? What can I literally aim to? What can I grasp in, my, in the world of my reality? I can make that bowling ball roll across that little black mark. In my reality, I can't make all those pins fall down. I'm not a good bowler but I can make it roll across those little marks. So if you just see, that, that's the goal, but if you press toward the mark, if you do today what you know you need to do, you receive the prize. Man, that's good. It's just real simple Christianity. It's just simple discipleship. And if you're doing that, I tell you, what, what do they have at every bowling alley? They have a freshman stand. You know why? Because when you're bowling, what do you get? Thirsty. Because you're doing something. I tell you what, if you just do what you're called to do today, not building on the past, knowing that there is a future, but do what you're, do, do what you're supposed to do today, press toward the market of prize of high calling with all your passion and all your heart. See, that's what God's after. He's after passion and heart. He's after, you know, seeking, pressing with heart. You can't press like, eh. 
Well, I tried. I didn't win. <sighs> press. Press until, you get it. press until you get it. Bowl until you get it. Bowl until you make it. Keep pressing. Keep doing. Keep reaching. Keep doing today what you know you're supposed to do. We started this whole teaching out in January about having a clear mental picture. It says, the scripture says this, people without a clear mental picture, they cast off restraints. So what the Bible is saying, people with a clear mental picture, bring on the restraints. There are things, if you know you want to get all those pins down, and that's your vision, you're going to keep that ball within certain restraints. Or it won't work. You're not going to bowl in that guy's alley because your pins won't go down. So if you have a clear mental picture, you'll be able to bring yourself willingly under restraints and cause you to do the things you've got to do to go where you've got to go. If you just do today what you're called to do today, you'll be successful in the future tomorrow. Amen? Don't let the past haunt you. Let it go. You've been born again. You've been begotten of God. Don't worry what other people are doing. You just do what you're called to do. Be faithful in that. And you press toward the mark of the prize hog calling. Don't get so grafted on the past. Don't get so grafted on the future. Get grafted on today. And do the work you're called to do. Make yourself hungry and thirsty. That way you've got to go back to the well and get some more. Amen? Let's stand up. As you're standing up and as they're coming up, I'm going to read the rest of this. Verse 9, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship and sufferings being conformed to His death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold for me. Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even it to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be able of the same mind. The Bible says that if you're mature, you need to be walking this way. So if the Bible says that if we're mature, this is how we need to walk. If you want to become mature, this is what you need to do. You need to press toward the mark. Have this kind of mindset. You may not have that kind of mindset. You need to get find some way to do what you got to do to get the mindset God wants you to have so you can press toward what God wants you to have. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to speak your word this morning. Father, I thank you that your word is going out in clarity, that your word is finding good ground to land in, that your word is finding a home 
that it can rest in and grow in and mature in and bring forth fruit. Father, we open our hearts, we pull out the law, we pull out the curses, and we allow your word to be impacted into our heart. Your word tells us it's the implanted word of God that is able to save our souls. And so we freely and willingly allow your word to be planted in our heart. Jesus, I thank you for healing the brokenhearted. I thank you for healing the blind eyes and setting free the captives in this place.